San Francisco cannot kick themselves in the foot like San Francisco. San Francisco. And he's able to connect with a big tight end who goes up and it's down. A flag is down as Nick Boyle came skying through like a pro wrestling move to meet the defender. Boyle goes 6'4", 270. Second and six. Ball's out! That was Trevathan! Trevathan with the big sack. You're going to see him here. Trevathan just gets him so right there on the right side. Trevathan, Trevathan, Trevathan. I'll tell you what, Tess. You saw Aaron Rodgers there. Blood on his elbow. Big old knee brace on, hitting the wrist. It doesn't matter. He pulls another rabbit out of his head. We saw this play work earlier. And Kelsey's on the edge, protecting. But Ibukam was able to see that protection again. I'm excited. It's a neat spot to be here. And I've really enjoyed kind of sitting in this chair and, and the challenge that this presents. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them, how about them Cowboys indeed? How about them Cowboys? Signing Amari last night and doing essentially nothing today. Pretty much everyone's out the door, including Mr. Cowboy 2.0 and pretty much half of the starting defense. But all is not lost because, as we know, Jerry's gonna Jerry. And there's surely a splash left to be made in free agency. So welcome back in to another free agency edition of About Them Cowboys here on The Athletic. I'm Ken Garrison. Social distancing to the fullest extent and supporting my local takeout food businesses as I let our Cowboys experts here guide you through each and every move that the Cowboys have made so far. And remember, you can follow along with our award-winning NFL offseason coverage and free agency coverage at The Athletic by becoming a member of our athletic community. You can secure that subscription through 2021 now at theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys and get 40% off. That rounds out to about $3 a month. So do that, and that includes Dane Brugger's upcoming NFL Draft Guide. The NFL Draft is happening as scheduled, so you're going to want that Draft Guide ASAP, and it'll be dropping here right at the beginning of April. So get on that, theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys for 40% off. So now it's time to welcome in our panel for this episode. He's upset because Major League Disc Golf has been postponed, and so he can't try out for the Dallas Roughnecks, which is disappointing in my opinion. It's Saad Youssef. Welcome back, Saad. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm very well. I'm disappointed in all the sports, but yeah, especially that one. Do you froth? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I live to froth. Yeah, no, I don't. Not I'm done. really bad at that. And of course, uh, his food pantry is stocked to the brim with the finest of Detroit's culinary offerings. It's Father John Mashoda. Hey, John. I have been eating so bad. Like, all I do is just snack all day and not leave my place. And I'm sure it's not going to help my health in the long run. But uh, I bought all this food, and I usually don't have a lot of food at my place. And I've just been killing it. And, have you uh, uh, got, gotten good. maybe a little DoorDash action going? Little, I haven't yet, but yeah, that, that's a good idea. I need to do something to mix it up because I've just been uh, – I'm not really a good cook at, of making really anything other than maybe, you know, chicken and hamburgers. Peanut and butter and jelly. Idea. Yeah, I need to mix it up. It's it's getting bad here. Yeah, just give me like two jars of peanut butter and two things of jelly and some bread, and I'm good for like a month. I'm good. That's uh, it's good survival food right there. 
And uh, we're welcoming back again, sitting atop his hosting throne, it's Kevin KT Turner. KT, I think we should start with the biggest piece of Cowboys news that's gone down over the past 24 hours since we've been on the air. And by the way, thank you to everyone who checked out our breaking news episodes we released yesterday. Those are still available. We talked Dak, we talked Byron Jones, and Amari Cooper. So most of our thoughts on those people will be in those episodes. So thank you for listening to those. But it's the departure of Jason Witten to the Raiders. This guy's made $77 million on the football field, KT, not to mention all those endorsements and that Monday night contract that he got and probably got paid to to leave, maybe a little severance package. But if I understand correctly, uh, if you're moving on from him uh, and you're the Cowboys, I kind of understand that because, you know, it's new regime. McCarthy probably had the ultimate say there. But, you know, as Jason Witten said when he came back from Monday Night Football, that he wants to win a championship. And that's the reason he came back, because he th- thought that Dallas Cowboys team last year was primed to win a championship. And I might be going out on a limb here, and I don't think uh, anyone here would disagree. But according to Vegas Insider, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe it has any hometown bias to the Las Vegas Raiders, but currently has them at 40-1 to 1 odds to win next year's championship. I don't know if that's before the Carl Nassib sign or not, signing or not. I don't know if that puts him in any kind of other category, but uh, I'm just wondering why he would give up being a Dallas Cowboy for life and how much that means to him for four and a half million dollars maximum. Um, you know, $4.5 million is not changing Jason Witten's life by any means. You know, he loves being in this game, but he also loves loves this organization, what he means to this organization. But does it have anything to do, in your opinion, with the fact that they got silver helmets and it won't be that weird to see him in a uh, in a new helmet? And I want your thoughts on this, but actually I know what your immediate thoughts were via text. Uh, and I quote, what in the holy shoot? Uh, I can, I'm censoring myself there. But um, if you want to go into more detail about what you were thinking then. I, I guess I just assumed that when it came, you know, when it came down to it, I just didn't think the Jones family would let Jason go play somewhere else. I thought they would kind of try to persuade him right. in the Jerry and Stephen Jones way to keep him here. And I will say this, I've, the Raiders are kind of the Cowboys of the AFC. If there's another team that's kind of glitzy and, and glamoury and also has like a weird just kind of aura about them, it is, it is the Raiders, but – I just didn't see that coming. I didn't think I really didn't think that'd be something Jason was interested in. And I'll go to John first. John, the first thing that I thought was this has Mike McCarthy written all over it. What do you think, man? Yeah, for sure. Because you know, I mean, it wasn't like you had to go back to last season or something. You just go back to the bus that uh, when Jerry talked to several of us in, at the combine, and he talked about how he wanted Jason Witten back and how he always saw him as a cowboy, and uh, that's what he was hopeful of. But in a way, though, he was also making it known that, you know, he wasn't going to be stepping on Mike McCarthy's toes. He was going to allow Mike McCarthy to, uh, you know, have his say in personnel decisions. And so, yeah, I feel like if Jason uh, Jason Garrett's back for another year, then then Jason Witten would be back as well. But, uh, yeah, I think Mike McCarthy's trying to go in a different direction. Obviously, we saw when by giving that extension to Blake Jarwin, uh, they appear to believe that he's their new tight end number one. And uh, and so that was going to be it for for Jason Witten. I, I kind of thought this was a possibility, though, about a month ago, uh, talking to him on the phone. And, and he said that, you know, he's got to consider all options. And I didn't think he was bluffing. It's just pretty clear that he still wanted to play football. And uh, and and maybe because of the fact that he has a good relationship with John Gruden, obviously knows Rod Marinelli. 
maybe you know Rich Passaccia is over there that might all helped and all factored in and uh, you know maybe he was just he, he felt too so strongly that he just wanted to play one more year and he felt good about what he did last year and he thought that there was still some gas left in the tank and so here we are but uh, yeah I, I don't know it's going to be interesting to see what his role is there because uh, I, I just don't see him getting the snaps that he was getting the last few years he was in Dallas. You know, if he was going to go to another team, I was I was thinking that maybe a Super Bowl contender or, you know, something like that. But he's not hurting for four point five million or, you know, whatever the contract is. And and uh, and so, like, I'm a little scratching my head. I understand the coaching familiarity and, you know, half the Dallas Cowboys are now Las Vegas Raiders. And, and I understand that part. But, you know, it just to me. I I don't, I don't know why he would want to do that. Um, and it's nothing like, you know, he's not tarnishing a legacy or nothing like that. He's still a cowboy for life. Like there's nothing, there's no like bad blood, I think, or anything there. It's just time to move on. And, you know, I think Jason Witten, with all due respect, like Tom Brady, he has something left in the tank. Phillip Rivers, I think he has something left in the tank. I don't, I don't think Jason Witten does. I mean, you know, he came back and, uh, and, you know, I, I use this analogy. It's kind of like, you know, the Cowboys offense was flying full speed on the highway. And then every time Wooden caught the ball, it felt like we were in a school zone every time. So, you know, it, it, like everything slowed down w- around him and the offenses in the NFL are just so high speed. I don't really know what he's going to get out of it because the Raiders sure aren't going to be contending for a Super Bowl. Well, I think something's interesting, too, is you know, kind of look at here if if McCarthy and the Cowboys Offensive coaching staff kind of made the decision, look, you know, from a personnel standpoint, we just don't think you're a good fit here anymore. We're, we're going to move on, and the option is not really here for you to stay, even in a backup role or whatever it is. But, you know, Jarwin, they gave him that contract yesterday, and the Jarwin contract is extremely reasonable. I think that's a great job by the Cowboys front office uh, to get that deal done, and, and the way it's structured is very team-friendly in my estimation, if we're assuming that Jarwin takes a little bit of a step forward and builds upon what he did last year, you look at Witten in uh, Oakland, I mean, Oakland <laughs> in Las Vegas, Darren Waller had 90 catches last year and is, was a stud. I mean, like, it's, Witten ain't going to Oakland. Uh, to, God dang it. Witten is not going to Las Vegas to start. You know, he's just going to be a complimentary piece, and that's. Just kind of a, like Saad just said, just a bit of a head scratcher. I know for Cowboys fans, um, look, Witten has been an ambassador of this franchise for a long, long time, a fan favorite. And I know it's a little un, it's a little unsettling for him to not be on the team, but I do think whoever had a say in this, if it was to the point of like, Hey, Jason, we're, we're moving on. I do want to tip my hat to those guys because they're doing the right thing. They had to get faster and letting Jarwin play allows them to be faster. And we'll see how they replace Randall Cobb, but I I think it'll probably be someone who's got some speed. And for all those people who have been frustrated with the lack of, um, I guess, finish the fight in the Jason Garrett era, you know, those fans who might want Jason Garrett and I mean, who might want Jason Witten and Des Bryant back. To me, when Jason Garrett's gone, that should probably shut the door on Jason Witten coming back and Des Bryant coming back. I because those guys I just don't think are going to be able to to. It's not so much with Des; it's I don't think he can help you too much. With Jason Witten, it is. I do think he's preventing other players from playing. It's way different than Sean Lee, who we'll talk about in a minute, 
who is not preventing other guys from playing. He's taking a backup role. Jason wouldn't want to play for $2 million or $2.5 million with incentives and be the second tight end. You know, maybe we can have that conversation. I'm all right with that. I just don't want him taking snaps away from Blake Jarwin anymore. That does, it needs to stop, and it finally is, and it takes Jason going to Las Vegas. So, kind of a shocking day. Do you think, you know, knowing how much Jason's been around, I I don't know if this crossed your guys' mind at all, but you know, I was like, here's a guy who's a historian of the game, and a part of me kind of went, you know, he knows how this played out for Emmett when Emmett went to the Cardinals for one year. Like, he saw that, like, but, you know, this is after all, obviously, the Tom Brady news and all that stuff. Like, I think Witten's aware of all that stuff. But, you know, if you think you can still play, I guess you, you think you can still play. Do you, you have any thoughts on that, John? I, th- I think if it comes down to you, how much you love the game and how much you want to continue to play and how much you think that you have to offer, it doesn't really matter to him what we think. You know, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, if, if we think that he doesn't have any gas left in the tank. If he believes it, then why would – and there's a team out there willing to pay him. Uh, why not do it? Because – it's not just Emmett. I mean, there's so many, I don't know, like, do you think Michael Jordan's just thrilled with what he did with the Wizards, you know? Like, I mean, after after guys' careers are over, you hear them talk about stuff like that. But when they're in the moment, they're competitive and they want to do this. I mean, I find, I mean, depending on how things go, I wouldn't be surprised if 10 years from now, Tom Brady's like, I don't know why I went to the Bucks, But in the moment, you don't think like that. Because if in the in the moment you're all about just about winning, you know maybe things work out with Kobe and Shaq. You know maybe maybe Phil Jackson and the Bulls and Michael Jordan and all them stay stay around longer. But when you're in the when you're in it and it's actually you're involved and you think that you have something left to offer and uh, you you want a little bit maybe more respect. You don't think you're getting the respect that you deserve for the player you are or the coach that you are. I could see guys. That, I mean that I mean <laughs> you don't make it to this level and and, and play well without some type of an ego. And it's not just, uh, you know, regardless of what they say in interviews and things like that, you got to have some type of fire in you to be able to do it as long as guys like Tom Brady and guys like Jason Witten have done it. And so, again, we can say whatever we want, but we're not in that position. And we don't know how we would react if we were in that position. I find it hard to believe if he was dealing, if Jason Witten was dealing with a bunch of injuries or he thought that, he, you know, hey, I just, I, I, I'm not getting the separation I used to. I, I, I don't want to put really just bad football on tape. You know, I think he steps away from the game, spends more time with his family, and, and he's fine with it. But I just really, I believe from just talking to him, and, and especially over the last year, that he just knew how much he missed the game from getting to spend that year in that Monday Night Football booth. And, hey, at 38 years old, there's still a lot of life ahead of you after football. Why not play it another year if you still think you have something to give? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. And, and like, you know, I think Witten will leave with no regrets. I just think um, from a spectator standpoint, this is going to be a lot more like Emmett than it is DeMarcus Ware. That, that's just kind of what, you know, the way Ware left or, you know, you talk about other guys like Peyton Manning or whatever. Um, this is not, I don't think this is that kind of a situation. I don't think that he's as washed as Emmett was when Emmett left Dallas. Like, um, I, I think that was, I, I think Emmett really was done, but I think Witten still at this point, like, um, it, it's not so much that he's keep, he's going to keep playing for me. Like I said, for me, like if he wanted to keep playing and like, and went to a team that's like, you know, going to be in the conference championship, I would understand it more because that's the one thing he's missing, you know, but I, John, I think you made a good point that year off. I think it really made him realize how much he misses the game. And that's a, and that's reason enough for him to keep going until the wheels literally fall off. And then we move it on to Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn goes and signs a five-year deal for $70 million. 
with the Chicago Bears today. Uh, $30 million of that guaranteed, so it's a pretty good deal for the Bears kind of protecting themselves right there. You know, really can look at it as kind of a two-year, you know, $30 million deal. If you want to look at it that way, kind of looking at the structure of that uh, contract. So Robert Quinn goes to the Bears. Cowboys lose a guy who gave them double-digit sacks. Before, I guess we talk uh, – well, I guess let me ask you this first, John. Uh, did you – Think the Cowboys. I mean, what if going into today? What did you think the percentage was, or the likelihood was that the Cowboys brought Robert Quinn back? Mm, I'd say fifty-fifty, mm, maybe a little bit above, um, depending on what the money was going to. If you told me he was going to get fourteen million a season for five years, I would have said, "Oh no, there's less than there's no chance. That's not happening. They're not going to pay that." Um, so, you know, I know fans. You know, especially when you're on Twitter all day and. Uh, you're on your computer and you see what, what fans are saying, you know, they expect every one of their top players to be resigned. Well, that's not going to happen. You just look at the offensive side of the ball for the Dallas Cowboys and you don't even look at the reserves. Just look at the, look at the starters. There's a lot of money being uh, chewed up over there. And so because of that, you know, they have to budget somewhat. And, and I understand that. And I know that because of this move, it leaves them in a bad spot at pass rusher because they need more pass rush help. Obviously you lose 11 and a half sacks and, even with those 11 and a half, you only won eight games. So it, it's there's no question the pass rush needs to improve. I just think that they're going to have to do it in, in different ways because they're not getting Jade Evie and Clowney. And unless there's a significant trade-up, uh, and even with a significant trade-up, you guys are watching these these prospects more than I am. But outside of Chase Young, I don't see a guy stepping in right now in this draft that is just immediately going to be a double-digit sack guy. I think Chase Young's the only one that really gives you that, and he ain't going to be there. The, the farthest he would fall is three. So that's out of the question. They're not going to trade up that far. And so you got to do it somehow via via free agency or or through a trade. And I know this, this isn't a popular opinion, but I'm just going to say it. I think they deserve a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Because if you go back just one year ago today, we certainly didn't think that they were going to pull off Randall Cobb for one year for $5 million, which he obviously had a good year because he flips it around to get $9 million over three years. And we didn't know at this point that they were going to get Robert Quinn because that trade didn't happen until late March. And all they gave up was a six-round pick, and now you see what he turned into. So I believe Will McClay and those guys deserve a little bit of benefit of the doubt to, like, let's let this thing play out. And And... The other key factor in all this, too, is that free agency is just a lot different this year because these doctors aren't able, your team doctors aren't able to give these guys physicals because of how the teams have been shut down because of the coronavirus. And so, you know, I just think that there's going to be still some value there once this initial wave, the beginning wave of free agency dies down. There generally are, you know, there's a lot of the smart teams out there don't really make moves at this portion of free agency. They kind of wait until a lot of those big fish are gone and then they jump in there and try and get a bargain. And, you know, Hey, you know, Robert Quinn, can I say they, they're going to pull off another trade like that? Probably not, but there just always seems to be some teams out there that have guys that are in the final year of their contract that they know that they're not going to be able to sign to long-term deals and they wouldn't mind sending that guy off to get a, a draft pick in return. And, and judging by what the Cowboys are getting or what they will be getting two years from now in compensatory picks or a year from now in compensatory picks, I don't see why you wouldn't be willing to maybe pass, maybe, maybe trade one of your late round picks in this drafted uh, or even middle round picks, depending on who the player is uh, to try and acquire a veteran, even if there is only one year left on his deal. So I, I just, I know that this beginning stage of, of free agency, you know, people think this is the end all be all there's, there's still a game to be played here. 
you know, another area that I want to weigh in on. Um, so you look at Robert Quinn leaving and I, I do agree with you. There's plenty of time. You're right on the pass rusher, you know, Max Crosby. Okay. That's, we're talking about getting lucky, you know, a guy like last year and Max Crosby in the fourth round coming in and really having that impact, especially looking at this draft class. I don't know. And there's not too much there at 17 that gets me excited. You could maybe get me drunk and try to talk me into Caleb on chase on of LSU and tell me he's going to get some speed around the edge. I want to mention a player, and then I want to ask you about a player who's got a, a history with the Cowboys. In 2016, when they took Zeke at number four in the draft, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Peter King was in the war room. And in that article, I was immediately thinking about this when Quinn signed with the Bears. So I just want to throw this out there for you guys. The Bears ended up trading up and taking a guy from Georgia, Leonard Floyd. In that article, and I will never forget this, Peter King talking about how the Cowboys had dangled the idea of moving back and adding another pick, of moving back because they weren't sold on Jalen Ramsey. They liked Zeke, but Jerry liked Leonard Floyd. So the Bears, at the signing of Robert Quinn, have basically – they're not going to pick up the fifth-year option on Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd only had three and a half sacks. He is a not a great run player. And look, he's a 3-4 outside linebacker. The things that are popping in my head are there's a free agent you could go get for probably cheap who's out there who would not cost you anything and could help as a pass rusher. B, we don't even know if this team is going to be a 4-3 or a 3-4 defense yet. So Leonard Floyd, I think, is a name to keep an eye on because we do know that the Cowboys liked Leonard Floyd uh, from Georgia back in 2016. So keep that on your mind and chew on it. My question now for you guys is, have you guys heard anything at all about Randy Gregory? Um, I know you're not going to be counting on him, you know, but this defensive line is going to need help. And with the relaxed marijuana laws, it seems like a little bit of Randy Gregory buzz has started to pop up a little bit on Twitter and you know, throughout the last couple of days. Have you guys heard anything at all on that front? I haven't. I will say this. I mean, I, I've heard that he's working out and staying in shape and he's trying to make a comeback, but he still hasn't applied for reinstatement as far as I know. And so, yeah, that's always a possibility. And, and we saw what the upside was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's there for sure. But, uh, you know, I just whenever it's come to Randy Gregory, I've always said that I, I would just take the approach of get your team ready and have your have your pieces ready to go. And if Randy comes back, then, hey, that's icing on the cake. But but to depend on that, man, I, I, I don't like that idea at all. Yeah, I don't like the idea of depending on him. But I will say the biggest concern whenever whenever we have had that mindset in the past has been, well, he's going to fail another drug test and he's going to be out. With that being out of the question, I mean, now there is the whole deal that, look, Randy Gregory – Randy Gregory's situation with marijuana, much different than David Irving. Like Randy Gregory is, is a guy that was going through some stuff, uh, with his mental health and things like that. And this was an escape for him as opposed to just like, you know, um, just partying and smoking weed and that kind of stuff. So with that being said, it's like, okay, if Randy Gregory's 
issues that he has mentally do kind of creep back up and and it's something that that you know takes over for him a little bit even with the marijuana usage then you're then you're kind of screwed if you're depending on him but I think Randy Gregory as a rotational pass rusher is a is something that can really help this team and we saw it the last time he played we saw that he can be that my biggest concern would be how in shape is he but again I think what John said is right um you know you kind of form your team uh without Randy Gregory in mind and what that means is this next month really the next month and a half free agency draft you really just do it um with without Randy Gregory in mind and then when training camp r- comes around it's not hard to cut bait with your 89th or 90th best player at that time to make room for Randy Gregory that's not a difficult proposition so then you just do that Look at training camp. You'll have a couple of preseason games to look at them, and then you move forward from there. You know, it's almost the same way that I think about back in when he was in his prime, the way you had to think about Sean Lee. Like, I have to be prepared at the linebacker position for if he can't be there. Now, it's different because Randy Gregory is not a starter, uh, you know, right now uh, or anything like that. But it's the same thought process I had was like, build the roster. You have Sean Lee. That's a luxury, you know. A uh, good player who you're paying, but you just can't count on him to go be there for you all the time because of his injury history. Way different with Randy Gregory, of course, but still kind of the same line of thought. But you know, with Randy, I I think he can help, and, I, and I'm all about having him here if he's available because you look at the defensive line taking a hit. You know, I, I set us up perfectly for a Sean Lee segue, but I'm actually going to jump to Malik Collins. Malik Collins goes to the Raiders. So Cowboys now losing him. I think we all kind of thought Malik Collins would be gone. I don't think many of us saw him coming back. Las Vegas makes uh, a lot of sense with Rod Marinelli. But, man, it just re-illustrates once again how – how I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, even with Byron being signed, I've said this many times on this podcast, I'm more – worried about the defensive line next year than I am the secondary. Do you guys feel the same way? I guess one of the reasons why I'm not as concerned as, as others are about the defense is because I just have seen this defense play over the last few years and all these guys are getting paid and I must've been watching the wrong games. Cause I didn't exactly see a defense. that was just swarming out there and just getting all these sacks and all these turnovers and just, when and and when there were games when the offense kind of sputtered that they just shut it down. I mean, I just it's not like they had this great defense. That it's not like they've ever really had a great defense. I mean, ever since Jason Garrett's been here, that entire run he's had, it's been a very you know heavily built offensive team. And so there's a part of me that thinks just by the fact of having a new coaching staff not being as predictable as they've been in the past. That, you know what, hey, maybe you don't get that pass rusher, whether it be on the inside, whether it be on the outside, that is a guy that gets you 10 or 15 sacks. Maybe you have to do it by committee. Maybe you have to find a George Selvey like they did in 2013 that got seven sacks or Jeremy Mincy that got six in 2014. Something to pair with Demarcus Lawrence. Maybe it has to be a variety of guys. Maybe Dorrance Armstrong takes a step forward. I, I just, the way I look at it is, is I keep going back to, they wouldn't have put, they wouldn't have paid the money to Amari Cooper that they did if they weren't in a win-now mode. They wouldn't have gotten Mike McCarthy if they weren't in a win-now mode. I don't see them just sitting back. They're going to try and make moves. We never thought that they would have traded for Michael Bennett in the middle of the season. They're just not going to sit back and go, yeah, guys, this is pretty much what we got. We're just going to go with uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Antoine Woods, Daniel Ross, 
and Joe Jackson and just see what we see what happens. Like they're going to make a move. They're going to they're going to go after somebody. Yeah, I think they'll go after somebody, but I don't know. I don't I don't know how successful they'll be. Now, I know guys like Tristan Hill and Taco Charlton, you know, Marinelli's not here anymore. So, you know, it's going to be a different philosophy in picking those guys. But at the same time, I don't have a lot of confidence in in how they're going to in their selection. Will McC- I'm talking Will McClay, Stephen Jones, those kind of guys, unless Mike McCarthy just has a firmer grasp on this than than we all kind of, you know, anticipate him having. That's the only way that I kind of see, um, you know, this defense being better than than what we think at the end of the day though i think this team is going to have to win a bunch of 35 31 games at the at the you know conservative side like i think they're going to have to put up a lot of points in order to win which shouldn't really be a tall ask for them given their they've you know they they've put like all their money in four offensive linemen quarterback running back just just signed a tight end wide receiver like they should be able to score 35 points a game if you're putting all that money on the offensive side. Yeah, I mean, and it paid off last year from a, maybe not from the wins and losses standpoint, but like the stats, the potential, you see it all there. Like it's not, it, it, it's if anything, you're just shaking your head going, why didn't we get more out of this? And that's kind of what John was saying on last night's podcast. Just like, we should have got a little more out of this. And even though, the the yardage numbers will tell you they were first in the league in total offense and second in the league in passing offense and uh, what were they fifth in the league in rushing offense I believe yeah that's fine it's great that's the kind of you know output that we would expect while paying all these guys now let's find a way to finish the fight uh, and honestly I think getting rid of Garrett bringing in McCarthy is refreshing and I know I was critical of the McCarthy hiring but I think this is where you are going to see some different things in the offense you're going to see. Uh, a little a different attitude from the team in general. You know, I couldn't stop thinking last night about that night. And I know we're talking about free agency right now, so I'm sorry I'm going off on this whole tangent here, but I, I couldn't stop thinking about that night. And everyone in that locker room loves Tavon Austin, but that night that Jason Garrett basically threw Tavon Austin under the bus. Like, man, that's when the season died right there. It was that Minnesota game. Game at home. Game should have won. And, you know, the whole punt, fair catch thing. And then Jason goes in the press conference, throws Tavon under the bus, and I go, man, no wonder this team's in a funk because every person in that locker room loves Tavon Austin, and Jason went and threw him under the bus in a no-win situation for Tavon. I I couldn't stop thinking about that, and that's why I I tell you, man, I I feel way better about McCarthy than maybe I did three months ago. Um, And maybe football was just fresh on my mind at the time, but I don't know. The change, I do think, will be positive, at least in the short term. And that's where you do kind of realize, too, they will make some plays in free agency, like John said. They will do something. They always do. Um, you know, there were rumors about Jadavion Clowney that kind of got thrown out there on the NFL Network. I don't. I haven't really heard anything else on that. Have you guys heard anything else for, about Clowney, or was that just kind of NFL Network gossip? Yeah, I think that was uh, more of the uh, just how you would always hear about Tom Brady's being the Cowboys being mentioned with Tom Brady. Now, it was never one of the top three or four teams. But everybody nationally that talked about Tom Brady and where he might go if he leaves the Patriots, the Cowboys were always mentioned and they were never any realistic interest there. And so uh, I think that's all that is. I don't I mean, believe me, uh, I, I get why fans would be really pumped if they were able to get J. Devian Clowney and you put him opposite of Demarcus Lawrence. Well, 
I think that it can make your secondary look a lot better if you had those two guys getting pressure up front. But uh, to be realistic, I, I just don't see that happening. You just paid a wide receiver $100 million, and uh, you, you're going to give you, you have intentions of paying Dak Prescott uh, even more money than that. You just are a year away from giving Demarcus Lawrence $21 million a year. Um, I don't see how they, how they can do that. I know that the salary cap will continue to increase and continue to go up, but it just that just doesn't seem realistic right now. I didn't see numbers on Malik Collins in terms of uh, contracts. I don't know how much he's getting yet. I don't think those have come out yet. But joining him in Las Vegas will be safety Jeff Heath. The Cowboys, on the flip side, retaining Darian Thompson for two years at about a million dollars per year. Uh, Jeff Heath gone. Uh, you know, I, I think we all kind of thought he might be gone. It also wouldn't have been surprising if he stayed just because of his tenure here. And honestly, I thought the the Darian Thompson thing, that's a guy who could play on my football team, do some special teams. But, you know, I don't necessarily want him being my starting safety. You guys have any thoughts on Jeff Heath taking off to Las Vegas as well? Well, I just kind of want to quickly say that I think what you're just talking about, Darian Thompson, is the exact mistake the Cowboys made with Jeff Heath. Like, you know, it, like I do, th- I agree with you that Darian Thompson's a good depth, depth safety piece that should, you know, star on special teams. That's kind of what Jeff Heath would have thrived in. Like, if he was a special teams player and, uh, and was just like a, an occasional, appearance at on defense I think Jeff Heath would have been a lot better of of a football player for the Dallas Cowboys it's kind of like you know the Patriots list Matthew Slater as a wide receiver how many times has he gone out and even and even lined up at wide receiver let alone catch a pass it doesn't happen now you know you designate someone uh, a position but sometimes you just have to have those special teams players and I think Jeff Heath looking back at kind of like you know his Cowboys tenure and stuff like that. I, I do kind of feel he was a little under underappreciated by the fan base, but it wasn't really his fault. I, th- I don't think he was put in a position to succeed. And I think in, uh, in, in Vegas, that's not going to be the case. I think they're going to play him uh, primarily on special teams and maybe he'll make a cameo on defense every now and then. Yeah. Jeff Heath was a good fit for what they'd been doing on defense with Rod Marinelli. And it makes sense again, special teams too. I completely agree with you there. Uh, but I'm just kind of thinking that they're going in a different direction with this this new staff at, at the safety and defensive back positions. I just think you guys are going to see a more aggressive back end, and that just really isn't. Jeff Heath was known as being a guy that, hey, this guy's not going to be out of position most of the time. He's going to be where he needs to be. He's not going to, you know, blow too many tackles. He'll he'll make the plays that are in front of him. I think they're going to look for more of a playmaker there on the back end to pair with with Xavier Woods, and I just. You know, this team just hasn't put a big emphasis on that position. And so maybe that factors into that Jeff Heath knew that, hey, they're, they're probably going to go in a little bit different direction. I'm, if I stay here, I'm probably just going to be a special teams guy. And maybe Rich Bisaccia and the coaches over, over at the Raiders said, hey, you're going to be a special teams guy here, but we're going to give you a chance on defense too. And maybe he liked that opportunity more. And then, hey, it could also just come down to the coach. Maybe he just really enjoyed playing for those guys. And so to be back with them, maybe that, that fits him better. And, and that, as opposed to not knowing this coaching staff. And so, um, I agree with him being underappreciated for sure. Um, but I'm also from the standpoint of, I've been watching this team for a decade and I just don't think they get enough out of the safety position. So I'm also kind of like, all right, well, it's time to do something. Yeah. You know, also, <laughs> I'm glad you said about being aggressive on the back end because you're also going to see the offense be more aggressive too. And if you think about Garrett's mindset and Garrett's DNA all over this football team, it was just about, hey, let's see if we can turn some clock. Let's see if we can stay ahead. Let's see if we can kind of grind them down. 
you know, and the defense that kind of Rod Marinelli was throwing out there, you get a little more aggressive uh, defense, you know, that also kind of just changed the whole DNA of the team, like you were just saying. And if Mike McCarthy's mindset is, hey, we're going to go put up 35 points every game, well, that's way different than what Garrett's mindset was, you know, whether whether that's a fair thing to say from here or not, like – I think we can all agree that that Garrett was very rarely trying to get in 38 to 35 shootouts. You know, I don't think he was trying to do that very often. So I do think it's interesting when the offense has got a mindset of, hey, we're about to go put 40 points on you. But it does give a defensive back a little more freedom to, hey, man, go take a chance on this play. Go see if you can, uh, you know, go ahead and not just like be safe and, and make the tackle. You know, like there's, there's, a, I think there's something to be said just for in general. A culture shift and just a, a change of attitude from a football team, and I quite frankly think you need that after ten years of the same thing. Yeah, and I also think there'll be motivation on defense because with all these players being lost and what they did last year, they're going to be able to play with an underdog mentality. They're, they had expectations last year, and, and I think that hurt them. You know, there was supposed to be, hey, you got Robert Quinn on one side, you got Demarcus Lawrence, you got the. This is the best group of linebackers in the NFL. Uh, you know, you got Byron Jones coming off a Pro Bowl year. Uh, Xavier Woods was expected to take the next step after, you know, he was actually intercepting passes. And in training camp, you thought, hey, we, we're looking at a playmaker here on the back end. And then you thought that Cheeto would take another step. Like, this was supposed to be a really good defense. The expectations were high. I don't think there's going to be a lot of expectations. And so maybe playing with that underdog role a little bit, uh, maybe that helps them. And, and maybe they are a little bit more... Uh, you know, take a little bit more risk. And obviously it's going to lead to a few more big plays. But, you know, at the same time, I just feel like watching this team, you just have seen enough of the, you know, pound the ball, run the clock, be conservative and, and wear teams out that way. Yeah, I just think it's going to be kind of refreshing that it's going to be a little bit more take of, take chances on, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and John, I love that you brought up the the, fed, the underdog mentality. That's not, I've been saying that all along too, and I totally agree, especially because, you know, when you went in, I mean, even Leighton Vanderesh was coming off of such a great year. And then Jalen Smith was a guy that was coming off a good year and just got a big money contract. And I, I think, you know, they, they were a little over, over themselves. And, uh, and they'll, they'll, not only will they, uh, settle down because, they'll they'll need to but they have like you know they just don't have a choice they're not very good and uh, they weren't very good last year so I think that's that is a that is a factor that I think will come into play but also I I really do think that this whole coaching staff full of former head coaches those guys were former head coaches because of how good they were for at their position coaches that's how they landed those jobs so guys like Tom Sula and, and you know just Tom Sula specifically but you know just all across the board and Mike Nolan as the defensive coordinator I think they're going to scheme things up a lot better because you know it it really was maddening whenever I remember a few times last year when I would see Antoine Woods dropping pass coverage or Jalen Smith just, you know, not look like he's a guy that knows where he's at on the field and things like that. So I think, you know, look, if Jalen Smith is a great blitzing linebacker, that's what you use him for. You don't try to put him on, on an elite athletic tight end and try to make him produce that way. So I think that's going to be something as well that I think the scheme is going to be more fitted to the players. Let's move on to Sean Lee. I think we're all good with that. Everyone's happy with that, right? I, I mean, I wanted Sean Lee back. I think he's linebacker depth. I think it's something that's very – 
uh, cost friendly. You know, it ain't going to cost you much. And I do think any type of, you know, where I was talking about a culture change and a DNA change and all that stuff and an attitude change. But Sean Lee is just helpful to be around at all times. Um, I see no negative to Sean Lee coming back at that money. We all good with that? Yeah, I was thinking, you know, maybe midway through the season, early part of the season, I was kind of like, yeah, this might be it for Sean. You just, you know, I, I don't know uh, if, if if he still has a ton of good football ahead of him. And then the way he closed out this season, particularly that Rams game, which that Rams game was as good of any game I've ever seen him play. And so, that, and, and that was in week 15. And I was kind of like, yeah, Sean Lee's still hungry. He's I, He still feels like he can play. And this makes sense, especially with, not only because Jalen Smith took a step back this past year, but then just the fact that, like, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch with that neck issue. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, obviously, if, if depending on how they what they how they line up defensively and things like that, you know, Sean Lee just has so much experience playing in so many different roles. I mean, he's played all three linebacker spots in a, in a four three, and then in a three four, he was drafted to play the two in linebacker spots, and that's why they took him and Bruce Carter. You know, early in in the well, 2010, 2011, uh, they went and drafted those two guys to be inside linebackers in a three four. So mm-hmm. there's just a lot of versatility there. So yeah, no, I and I think it was, I believe, four and a half million. Um, correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, that's but, what I saw. Yeah, four. And yeah, half. yeah. So and, it's like and, that's good. Yeah, I think I think it's great. Not only because, well, I do think part of partially it's kind of ironic because. Sean Lee is what he's basically an insurance policy for Leighton Van Der Esch right now. Um, and haven't yeah. we always kind of need an insurance policy for Sean Lee? So, um, it, it's kind of funny how that worked out, but also just the, just the football IQ that he brings. I, for one of the things that I will never, never forget, never shake from my memory is when he came to the sideline in that clip. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That, that yeah. game against the Giants. And he's telling the coaching staff, like, you're wrong. Like, there is not a play to be made here. There's like, I literally cannot do my job. And the coaching staff is just stunned. And, and, and this was, I'm talking, this was in 2016. This was like four years ago. He's only getting better in that department and he's going to be a good influence. And the biggest thing is, as KT, uh, you addressed early on, he's not a progress stopper. And so combine all those factors, there's literally no downside to him coming back. And also another thing that I thought about was what if they do uh, – well, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like talking in uh, black and white when it comes to 4-3 and 3-4 because we don't know. But we do know they are going to be more creative on defense. And having Sean in the room for the installation of all that and for the questions, I'll never forget. And it's a whole different era, so I, I don't want to – you know convolute the two things too much, but I'll never forget some of the knocks on the Rob Ryan defense back when they were a three forward. I mean, some of the defensive backs were just like getting confused on plays and things like that. And they decided to dumb down the defense. And I'm going, okay, well, it'd be nice if you could still mix it up a little bit and having Sean Lee there. I mean, there's no other person in the NFL that I'd rather have as a player coach type guy. If you are thinking about screwing around with the defense and maybe doing, throwing out some 3-4, maybe not always playing a 4-3 base. I love the idea of him, him being here for that. And that's 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 along with the, the Leighton Vander Esch neck situation. And to me, it's just a no-brainer. I'd like to see them keep Joe Thomas, the linebacker as well, who, you know, he's been hurt and things like that, but he's a guy who's played for McCarthy before, but is also a guy who, you know, can play in the 4-3 and he can play in the 3-4 if needed as well, can cover a little bit and also play special teams. 
I'd like to see them find a way to keep Joe Thomas as well. Hey, Lastly, real quick, KT. Yeah, yeah. You go ahead. I was just going to add in on uh, – don't sleep on Luke Gifford either. Uh, clearly that organization liked him en- enough to like keep him around last year when it was just he was suffering these injuries, and I was kind of like – if they just thought he was just kind of another guy to just maybe be a special teams player, I don't think they would have kept him around. And they kept him around, and, and you know, even when I thought that they would IR him, I mean, they kept him, they kept him on the active roster. And uh, I, I just, I felt like the coaching staff really liked him. Uh, I'm interested to see kind of where he fits in going forward, is just in terms of kind of a sleeper uh, name there. And then also because you have a new you know, defensive staff, you have a new special teams coach. You know, I mean, I expect them to draft a linebacker at some point too. Uh, just because they're going to need help, you know, making over that special teams unit that was just terrible last year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, LP Latasur is back as well, guys. Your thoughts? <laughs> I think this, this is all you, Sad. <laughs> no, I think LP. I think LP's. A, it's a good signing, you know. At least, and, and to be to be serious, I think there is something to be said to have some kind of just you know locker room carryover through all the different eras that this team has gone through, and and there are some familiar faces, you know, throughout the building and things like that. I mean, look, it's the long snapper. I'm not going to spend t- two minutes uh, going deep into this, but I do think there is some benefit just from a pure culture and leadership standpoint for him to be there because um look the the special teams is was not great and and lp obviously didn't have any, really anything to do with that but um if as a unit if that team need, if that unit needs leadership and if they just have a bunch of new faces coming from all all over the place i think lp is a good you know calming voice to be in that room he's just uh trying to go for the record now that jason witten's gone right Longest tenured cowboy. Exactly. Yes. Go That's for it. He Go made his decision LP. right after that. And he's like, Witten's out. All right, I'll I can do one or two more. You know. This is your legacy, LP. Go get yes. it. Yes. So we'll have another day of free agency tomorrow. Really, didn't it doesn't become official until tomorrow night, which is kind of kind of kind of dumb. But it's a uh, hey the way, way we're doing it. But I, I will say through everything that's been going on with the coronavirus and the pandemic. Uh, the global pandemic, it has been a nice distraction the last couple of days. So it's always good to be talking football with you guys. Maybe we'll have another bit of an episode tomorrow night. We'll see what else happens uh, in the league. See if anything uh, crazy happens with the Cowboys. Will they uh, go try to get a pass rusher or a safety? Will they make a trade? You know, there's a lot that could happen uh, tomorrow as well. We, we've seen the Cowboys kind of be guys who who party late in free agency as well, as John mentioned earlier. So maybe there's some Cowboys news for us to, to discuss uh, tomorrow. I, I do want to say we did a episode. KT, oh, go ahead. Just real quick for some national news, um, just on the Tom Brady front, we yeah. to get the kind of round table it. Who do we think is um, going to end up in Tampa Bay? I mean, uh, uh, end up in New England, replacing Tampa Bay's Tom Brady now, TB. So Teddy Bridgewater signed a deal with the uh, with the Panthers, three mm-hmm. at sixty three million. I think there are a few names that you should watch for in New England, or I think my my B my my B part of this is that they could tank and go get Trevor Lawrence. My oh. part A, <laughs> um, that's insane, right? But still, maybe my part A is I really think I could see them trading for Josh Rosen, not to come in and start necessarily, but to get him in the system. I don't think they have any you know, plans whatsoever on having Jarrett Stidham as their quarterback. I would say keep an eye on two players. If they look at there and they evaluate and think that they are able to compete, 
I could see them bringing in someone like Cam Newton for one year um, or something like that. I also think Andy Dalton would be a guy that they would consider to come in, throw the checkdowns, be accurate. You know, not not really an exciting play, but someone that they could maybe try to go get. And also, it looks like Joe Flacco is going to be out in Denver uh, as the backup there. I don't think, you know, the Patriots are going to have, like, designs. Really, the Patriots are going to have to have internal discussions. Are, are we going to try to win this year or not? And if they're not, then they just need to go lose as many games as they want. So it'll be interesting to see what their thoughts are uh, when they kind of self-evaluate over the next couple of days to see who they can uh, who who they can bring in. It's a fascinating they, story, man. You think they try to bring back Brissett? You know that's interesting. If the that Colts was wanted out to there trade earlier by uh, Zach Kiefer of the Athletic, I thought that was interesting. Very interesting. A guy they drafted and mm-hmm. uh, developed there for a minute. You know that's that's a guy. You know, I don't know with the Colts signing him. We'll see what the Colts want to do. I know they send Rivers to one year at twenty five million. Philip Rivers is talking like he's going to be in Indianapolis for you know three more years. So you know you, there's there's a lot of options out there. Weirdly, in this football market, there's a lot, and in this quarterback market, there's a lot of options uh, of guys who at least have played the position a little bit. You know, Here, normally there's no names. Let's get crazy here. What's craziest craziest scenario? Uh, what what would be crazier? To you guys, the out of these two, mm-hmm. Andrew Luck unretires, <laughs> or they throw eighteen million on the table and they go get Romo. Ooh, oh, Romo's so they the wildest. So yeah, they put, Romo's the crazier one. Romo's thirty nine. Tom Brady's forty three. They won. Romo did they win two championships? Yeah, t- Tom between thirty nine and forty three. Tom Brady's never had the, or I mean, uh, yeah, Tom Brady's never had the injury history that Tony Romo has. I mean, he could come out there for literally one snap, and and and, <laughs> and, and his back could yeah. shatter. I mean, seriously, like, I'm not. I mean, I'm not uh, trying yeah. to even be like a dick about I it. Know. I'm just saying, like, I mean, backs are not things that get, just backs shatters, are generally just things gone. that. Di- yeah. Backs are generally not things that get better as you get older. You know those those well, injuries stack up, and it also I'm saying that because it annoys me that people even bring that up anymore because it's well, it's clearly I, it's, done. It's he's ridiculous. Not, That's why I'm bringing back. it up. It's yeah, it's especially yeah. when that guy Andrew Luck on retiring. Every year that goes by, it makes it less 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 and less likely. And then there's this thing of getting 18 million dollars to not have to play to call mm-hmm. one game a week, and I just you just add all that stuff up there. And it just it makes no sense why he would come back and uh, and and with Andrew Luck, it's not like Andrew Luck stepped away from the game because you know what he'd been with the Lions for 15 years and they just beaten him down because they're not going to win anything like that Colts team was ready to roll yeah and he and he shut it down so I, I just I, I don't see that happening that one either Andrew I think, Luck would have come back this year for the Colts if he thought he could because that offensive line is primed you know right in Indy. Uh, my my favorite scenarios for the Patriots are obviously the 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 tank one is fascinating to me because I look at that roster and I'm just like there this thing is beaten down I don't even know if this is, if they can even compete uh, but obviously with Belichick you would never sleep on them but uh, if they were going veteran uh, Andy Dalton makes a ton of sense and then I know this won't happen but man it would be intriguing to see them get a one year deal with Jameis Winston or Cam oh, Newton I was just going guy, there. Two guys, two guys that were former number one overall picks that you could get on a bargain for one year just to see what you get out of them. Uh, playing in that organization, man, it's like it's just such. It would be such an indictment on, on, on anybody's career that it's like if you can't have success there, uh, then maybe it's done for you. So you know, if they were willing to kick the tires on any in, in any of those guys, man, it, it would make a lot of sense and it would be it would be fun to watch. 
Yeah, Jameis was Jameis was where I was going, but I also echo what John just said. Look, the the, uh, the Patriots just lost Kyle Van Noy, uh, a linebacker. They really uh, that that was really good for them to Miami. They just lost Jamie Collins. Um, you know, like I said, they're losing guys left and right, and don't really have a replacement plan. Maybe you do just tank and go get Trevor Lawrence, and then Bill Belichick coaches till he's a hundred and wins like six more titles. But I mean. You know, I really would love to see Jameis Winston there. And and not only because of Belichick, but I, I would love to see what he can do with Josh McDaniels. So um, that would be a very interesting match, in my opinion. Can I throw this out there just because I think it would piss John off and I think this is going to be fun? So think about Gosh. this. Okay. Tony's like, hey, we got to stay Lions related. So we're going to go. We're going to go half. We're going to go half a season here. All right. We're going to go. Okay, wow. Sod just threw something else that derailed me. Hold on, Sod. I've got two ideas. One, so Tony, they get through uh, eight games. They get to the bye week. Oh, the Patriots are, you know, five and four. You know, maybe they're maybe they're six and four. You know, whatever the Patriots are. They're hanging around. Tony goes to the boss at CBS and said, look, man, we got to get these ratings up for these CBS games. I mean, think about this. How about I go to the Patriots for half a season, save my body. You guys stop. Don't have to pay me as much. But I go, well, I'm going to be the CBS game for you every week. It's going to be a story, and everyone's going to be watching me play. And Romo goes to the Patriots and does the old Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit trick. Not steroids, but where they just would pick where they wanted to go in September and then have a playoff run. That's interesting to me. So, okay, if that happens. They don't even have – CBS doesn't have the rights right now, do they, to the NFL? There was something clause uh, in his contract that said, like, if they don't get the rights, then he can just – do whatever. Yeah, the I new think. TV deal's got to get done. Yeah, they'll with, get the new TV with, deal. Okay, deal in that done. scenario, no, though, think, this in, is a ridiculous in, conversation, but I love it. Let's just no, keep in, it up. Yeah, in your scenario, uh, now does Romo come back before they sign Dez and trade for Witten, or does he come back <laughs> after that and then Demarco <laughs> Murray comes back too? Dez, yeah, Dez and and Romo to the Pats. Okay, now you are being a dick. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, how about this one? Because Saad said something about Detroit. They trade. Patriots trade for Matt Stafford. Okay? They bring him in there. Like, that's and completely realistic. The Lions, the Lions at number three, they draft Tua, or whoever they have graded higher, over Tua Herbert and, and uh, Jordan Love, likely Tua. That's, that's the, the most realistic thing you said. I can totally see that happening. I mean, that's how the NFL works. That's how all leagues work is if you have – some type of rapport and you know, you know, other organizations, you're more, more than likely to get deals done with those teams. That's how Kyle Van Noy, you know, he was with the Lions, He was with the Patriots. They've done deals between those teams. That's why Trey flowers got all that money in free agency last year. Um, and, and, and they've, they've been known to do deals together. So no, uh, out of all the scenarios that we said, like the Jameis Winston thing, uh, you know, Cam Newton, all that, like I would throw them trading for Matt Stafford right in the middle of all of that. Like that would not, completely stunned me at all um and, and then draft Tua because they're they're sitting there at three if if Tua was there um yeah no I mean I could see I don't think that's gonna happen but I don't think that that's crazy I mean it's not like Romo coming back it's funny because Man, I used to Tom Brady didn't leave until day two of free agency like if he had left Monday if Monday Monday at 7 a.m he would have put the thing out I feel like they probably would have made, tried to make a move for one of these. Here's like the my, kind of, like my theory. Here's, kind of a guy, you know. Here's my whole theory on that Tom Brady thing. Uh, how, how many times have you guys ever seen a guy leave an organization, much less 
oh, I don't know, guy that's won super six Super Bowls. He's a surefire Hall of Famer, a guy that many think is the greatest football player ever. How, how many of those guys put out a statement before they actually go to their next team? I think Tom put that out there because he wanted, he was hoping that there was going to be more interest. And I think at the end of the day, I think the Bucks are the only team that had real interest in him. I would, I, I, I don't know. I know. I, I mean, I think it's probably the Bucks or the Chargers, and I think the Bucks might be the only team that had an interest in him from a football standpoint. But I, but trust me, man. Like, if the Chargers didn't try to throw everything they had at him, just because the fact that he'll fill the stadium and they need someone that can do that, um, that might be the only reason the Chargers were going all out. But then again, if you were Tom Brady and you wanted to survive one week in the NFL, good luck behind that offensive line because that wasn't going to happen. So I think by just by default, the Bucks were kind of the only team. He yeah. could have put out that statement tomorrow morning. He put that thing out ahead of time because he, he was hoping that other teams would see that and be like, hey, guys, he's really serious. I know everybody thinks this is just a joke. There's no way he would ever leave the Patriots. No, I'm really, really serious now. Before anybody makes any more free agency moves, I am available, and I don't think that that they got the calls that he was hoping for. He loves that action, though. There's just the no way that the whole well. plan all along was I'm going to finish my career with the Bucks. Who would do no, that? No chance. But I guarantee you, they're the only team that offered him thirty million dollars. And that, I mean, I bet the Pats, not the Pats, the Chargers. But isn't even that okay? Even even that scenario isn't that crazy for yeah, for the uh, goat well, Tom Brady? Okay, I mean, there's the, the Derek goat. Jeter connection. There's the Derek Jeter connection. Well, I mean, it's it's different because we're talking about playing. But why would Derek Jeter go own go be an owner of the Miami Marlins, who are just a, a just a never thought of, you know? And he went and did that because that's so the only the ownership option that, he had. Well, he the, wasn't going to get a the, stake in the, the Yankees. Well, there's the story that Tom Brady and Derek Jeter were meeting, and they've got plans to, you know. Start some developments and and business in Tampa some Bay. TB twelve camp or something down there. Have you ever been to Tampa s- Bay? Uh, yeah, no, I have. I mean, my parents like, that for great. a while live. Yeah, lived like about an hour from there, and I've been there many a times. Like it's it's fine, but it's certainly not some place that you would think Tom Brady and his supermodel wife would want to be hanging out in. Like like Miami made a lot of sense when when some people were saying, hey, maybe you know Flores and them are interested, and obviously like like Sad said with the Chargers being L.A., you know, fill that place up. That makes a lot of sense. But like Tampa Bay, bro, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait and stinking dude, Bruce, I, I told you five years ago. To, to give me five teams that you, like I told you five years ago, Tom Brady will not finish out his career with the New England Patriots, but give me five teams that he absolutely won't go to. There is no way that the, that the Bucs aren't one of the five teams you give me. Yeah, they probably would have been on that list for sure. There's yeah. no doubt. But, but hey, but, you know, now that we got them, look, Brady versus Breeze twice, I'm down. Let's I'm roll. Down for that. Hell yeah. Also, dude, I, 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 keep an eye on Antonio Brown, too. If he ever gets his life together, I mean, it, it is not lost <laughs> on me that Antonio Brown moved in with Tom Brady. And the for fact a that Bruce days. Arians coached him in Pittsburgh. Oh, my God. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. When, hey, when, does go. that, when, does that, when does that work in the NFL, though? When does the uh, super know, team ever work in the NFL? Hardly ever. You, hey, you know what? Uh, what, what I thought would have been fun too, though, because everyone's going to do the whole Brady Belichick thing. You know, really, it would have been great if the Patriots would have brought in Philip Rivers, and Philip Rivers goes and finally wins a Super Bowl, and then Belichick gets all the credit over Brady. Hey, look, anyone could have done this. See? Oh, that, hey, that's absolutely on the line, though. 
Yeah, what, that, what's going is. on right now is absolutely is on the line, and 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 Bill's going to coach a lot longer, and Tom's going to play, and, and and don't don't let it be lost on you. I live in in an era that annoys me very greatly that uh, there's so many youngsters. <laughs> that I forgot about the greatness of Michael Jordan and have already written him off. Like, oh, yeah, he was, I know he was a good player, but that was for his era. Like, if, if Tom Brady lays an egg in a couple seasons in, in Tampa Bay, that will hurt his legacy. It definitely will, and a big reason also why is because he just shifted to the weaker conference. He's really in He's really in contention to go to the Super Bowl and doesn't have Patrick Mahomes blocking his way. So, you know, not, now look, in the division he has the Saints and, and, and all that stuff, but, you know, I think the NFC is a lot easier to get out of than the AFC just because of Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, that kind of stuff. So I, I'll be interested to see how he does that. Disagree. Disagree, disagree, that it hurt, disagree it hurts his legacy. If he, if I disagree too. First of all, like you said, John, it's the Bucks. Second of all, the guy's 43 years old. Third of all, he's he's won six championships. His legacy as the GOAT is cemented forever. That, was Jordan's legacy lost when he went to the Wizards? Mm-mm. No, no but, I never no, think no, about but, it. But, but I never people think also about thought that he would Wizards. be what he was forever, and now it's already moved on to like, oh, well, maybe Kobe was better than him, and, and LeBron's definitely better than him. Like, and, and what, how far removed are well, we from maybe that? That's just, it's not that's like just it's 40 time. years that's later. Not, yeah, well, that's not because he, the way, how he ended his career. That's just because of how long ago it was. Let's, let's remember a few things. I mean, like, nobody's ever been successful at all at, at his age. I mean, so if he goes in and is decent – I think he's even cements himself more as the goat, even if they even contention for a playoff spot. And I guess division. I'm I guess I'm I'm speaking more to a different generation of a more social media crowd where everything is so what what yes, have you done for right. me lately? It's gonna uh, just watch just watch how it gets. They, if they it's will. Bad there. Oh yeah, there'll, there'll especially be some hot if old Bill's up in New England and he's winning with some Andy Dalton. Go ahead, we'll we'll, we'll circle back and we'll have this conversation Here, again. One more one more kind of hypothetical for you guys. If if Jerry had known Tom was out, do you think he would have gone after Belichick? No, uh, I don't Brady, think you so. Mean? No. If it, do you think Jerry oh, would have gone after Belichick if he had known Brady wasn't staying in New England and Belichick wouldn't have any many players anymore? I'd be stunned did. if Jerry didn't kick the tires on that. I would be yeah, stunned. I, I did. Yeah, before. I don't think he would get him though. I don't think he would get him. I I did before they hired McCarthy so quickly. Belichick, oh, yeah. Belichick is the owner, head coach, and general manager of the New England Patriots. Like, like I, I don't think Jerry Jones would would. You know, I, I yeah, I think he might kick the tires, but at the end of the day, like I said, Belichick. I mean, Robert Kraft, sure, he's the owner, but Belichick is the owner, and so you know, I think that's that's kind of where it's you know. I think everyone I, just assumed that that Brady in New England was Dirk, and. There, he's going to be the guy as long as he feels like being the guy and he's going to ride off into the sunset and it wasn't, it was not going to end like this at all. I think there was a little, probably a little more animosity there between Brady Belichick and Kraft <laughs> than anyone wants oh, to yeah. admit. Well, yeah. yeah and no obviously question. Belichick wanted Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of years ago. Remember that? So, I mean, True. he wa- he wanted to move on from Brady a little while ago. So it's yep. about time. And that's the thing, like, again, like it goes back to what we were saying earlier when I said about the, you know, Kobe and Shaq staying together and, and, and you know, Emmett, ne- you know, retiring as a cowboy and things like that. Like, you, you just can never write off the ego that guys have. And while, yeah, from afar, you'd think, man, six championships, man, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, they must just love each other. And they just must like want to just be together forever and just keep 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 these seasons going. Brady keeps playing and that they'll all retire together. And it's like. No, probably all three of them want like their share of. The, I mean, what is being 
you know, this is definitely the greatest dynasty that we've seen in recent sports. Like all of them want some credit for it. And I think that's why we're sitting in the situation that we are today. And with Tom Brady going to the Bucks. Man, crazy. that was a fun podcast, boys. That was a fun one right there. And was that the craziest move of the day, Brady? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's the craziest. That's the craziest NFL move. Yeah. I think in the last 10, 15 years. Greg Allman was saying on our little re, uh, breaking reaction. If you want some more thoughts on Brady, we have one on the NFL Power Rankings feed on the Athletic. But he said it's the craziest. It's it's the um, the biggest move in Tampa Bay Bucks history hey, in I'll terms of the real, impact real, to the to the city. Yeah. Jersey sales, everything. Okay, there's one move that's happened recently that I would say I was more stunned by, and that Hopkins. was just because of where everything was at. What were you going to say? Hopkins? No, uh, Andrew Luck retiring. Oh, yeah, Andrew Luck, definitely. I, in the press yeah. box on the preseason game, man, that was crazy. That team was it, ready in to terms roll. Of the location. Like they were ready to make a Super Bowl run, and he's a guy that is certainly capable of playing at the highest level at the position, and to do it like right in the preseason like that, I didn't, uh, that, I didn't even think that was real. In what terms if of I the told location, you Whitman was going to go to a non-contender. Would y'all bought that at this point yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah that would that would yeah. been the Raiders could go win nine games. Huh. <laughs> hey, I think the just Raiders could be all right with Mariota or be okay. Carr or who? Hey, nine, nine might I'm get you a surprise. Gruden didn't make a run at Brady just because they got to fill that stadium in Vegas. That would sure. That would have been good. Absolutely. They got Marcus Mariota. They're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. All right. All right, KT. Let's wrap this thing. But again, we'll be back if anything else breaks. We'll, we got it's Tuesday. We got till Friday or later before the, yeah. uh, the things it slows down here. Free agency. So we'll be back. We'll go Most wash likely. our hands and do it again. No, yeah. no big deal. Um, all right. For our producer, Kent Garrison. For Saad Youssef. Good to see Saad in here again. For Father John Michelle. I'm Kevin KT Turner. And this was another jam-packed free agency edition of About Them Cowboys. <laughs>